Have you realized yet that your purpose in life is constantly evolving? The thing is, it can only evolve, grow, and expand to the extent you're willing to do the work to heal. That's why I've created a transformative half-day virtual event designed for purpose chasers who want to integrate their authentic selves in every aspect of their life. Together, we're going to co-create conversations around reflecting on current patterns, amplifying your genuine desires, prioritizing fulfillment over the facade of what you should do, and we'll talk about achieving actual tangible results. I believe our work together will have a profound impact on your life as we break you out of autopilot, scale your potential, and set you up to attract everything you say you desire. Plus, this space will be an enjoyable and supportive environment for new connections with like-hearted purpose chasers from all over the world. Together, we will laugh, dance, and maybe cry, but we'll be doing the work together. If this speaks to your soul and you want to detox and release what's no longer serving you so you can live fully in the pillars of redefining wealth, tickets are currently complimentary for this half day of coaching, training, and co-creating a new blueprint for your heart's desires directly with me. So grab your ticket today at patricewashington.com slash soul detox. That's patricewashington.com slash soul detox. As I was in tears in Starbucks for trying to write this book. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this book is going to be here when I'm not. Ooh. And books and words that you write, things that you say, those are the things that you leave behind. You are listening to the Redefining Wealth podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, I sit down with my very own podcast coach, Vernon Ross, as he shares with us why we must answer the call. Hey there, this is Patrice from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to the Redefining Wealth podcast. I am fresh off my trip from France. Yes, hopefully you were following my Instagram and Insta story. (sighs) Such a beautiful time. Shout out to my business, Women's Mastermind, the Legendary Collective. This is our third year in a row having an international trip where we can work on business, but also get a little relaxation and girl time in. So should I say super excited to be back? I don't know if that would be true. (laughs) Definitely was happy to get back to my family, but welcome. If you are new to Redefining Wealth, a big welcome to you. This is a place where we believe that wealth is more than money and material possessions. It is also very much about well-being. And I'm really excited because this is my 50th episode This is my 50th episode anniversary. I am so excited. It doesn't seem like I've been doing the podcast that long, but so much goes into it that obviously I do know the work that's been put in, but man, I think we got to 50 episodes pretty quickly and I know we're approaching our one year anniversary in September. So this is phenomenal. Before I forget, I want to tell you now that I'm coming to Atlanta. I'm coming to the Paul Mitchell schools in the Atlanta area. So if you're near Alpharetta or uh, Midtown Atlanta, I am coming. All you have to do is RSVP and let us know you're coming. It's just to get a head count. Once you RSVP, you are done. You don't have to wait for a confirmation. All of the details are on the calendar of events page at patricewashington.com 
We'll make sure that we link in the show notes. And if you're in the Atlanta area, which I already know based on the demographics that many of you are, so I want to see you there. And if you're in Cleveland, Columbus, Chicago, Detroit, guess what? I'm coming soon and I'll be posting those dates as well. So again, this is our 50th episode anniversary. And so I wanted to bring someone on who's really special to me and someone I really appreciate who's Vern Ross, because when I set out to do the podcast, I barely had about three weeks to do it. And Vern was the person that I called to help me make that happen. And in the midst of his speaking, of his coaching, of his working, consulting, doing all the things that he does, he really was a huge blessing to me and the person that I credit along with my engineering team. And I definitely had a lot of support, but I really feel like Vern helped me answer the call to do the podcast in a powerful way. And he also gave me the permission to be my authentic self. He really did. And I don't think that we would have here in the Redefining Wealth community the success that we've had had it not been for Vern. And a few of you asked me questions about podcasting when I was doing my birthday Q&A episode. We did the Earn More Money edition and I shared a little bit about Vern, but I thought it would be great to really highlight him. And mostly because this is what I want you to know. It doesn't matter what level of success you've achieved. Anytime you endeavor to do something new, to do something out of your comfort zone, there are going to be things that you don't know and you don't even know what you don't know. And a lot of times that's what holds us back from being our best self. I know that when I'm confused about something, it kind of paralyzes me at different points. And so the more clarity you can have, the better. And during the recession, when I lost everything, that's where I really learned to let my guard down and to seek wisdom, meaning ask for help. Because someone always has the answer. The question is, do we have the humility to ask the question? And that lesson has served me well over and over again. And my experience with Vern was no different. So Vernon is a best-selling author of the book, Master Your Message, The Guide to Finding Your Voice in Any Situation, as well as a podcaster, storyteller, and consultant. He's often called on to talk about personal branding, entrepreneurial mindset, podcasting, and developing influence. Essentially, Vernon Ross is the guy who teaches podcasters, authors, coaches, and companies how to find their voice online, behind the microphone, on stage, and in any situation life throws at them. Most importantly, he is the guy in the bow tie who helped me launch the Redefining Wealth podcast. Without further ado, my friend, my coach, Vernon Ross. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth podcast, Vernon. Hey, I'm <laughs> here. The one that you helped start. Right? <laughs> That's funny because, you know, actually, this is the first time that I've ever been interviewed on a podcast that I've actually helped start. Are you kidding? Nope. <laughs> I wish I Wow. Were. Well, in celebration of my 50th episode, I could not think of a better way to celebrate than to bring on the guy that has helped me. Like, you've been such a blessing to me. And I really credit you. I, I don't know if you know how much I talk about you. And I've talked about you in a few of my episodes. But I really believe 
that I would have procrastinated <laughs> or wasted a lot of time and money spinning my wheels had I not come to you when it was time to start redefining wealth. And because of you and uh, the way you jumped on my crazy three-week deadline, <laughs> right? we were able to create something magical. And I can't believe it's already been 50 episodes. That is crazy. You've been pumping them out, though. I'm so proud of you and the way that you've been consistent. Because that is one of the hardest things to do in podcasting is to actually get consistent with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And then do it consistently on a on a weekly basis because it's hard. It's it's hard to record interviews and align times and deal with guest drama and all the other stuff that happens. So no, I'm I'm super proud of the fact that you just got it off the ground and we were able to do it in three weeks. But, I know. Uh, you were on it, you were on it. I remember you telling me that if people got past ten episodes, that was like. Yeah, big milestone because it does take so much work to produce a podcast. A lot of people give up. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, what's funny is it's, it's fairly easy to sit down and talk on a microphone, but what's not easy is to figure out the right guest for your audience to actually build an audience and make an interesting show. Mm -hmm. And because you already had like a platform that you had developed that was important to you, Mm-hmm. And, and when you had the the six pillars and that was going to be like the first few episodes, I was like, oh, yeah, this this podcast is going to take off because you've already got background and stuff built in. Uh, well, again, I really feel like I couldn't have done it without you. I say it all the time. But OK, let me go back, though. Can we talk about where and how we first met? Yes, we can. (laughs) (laughs) Because one of the pillars that I talk about at Redefining Wealth, as you know, is relationships and or people. And it's about creating relationships that matter. And I talk about having this crazy deadline where I got the opportunity to launch the podcast, but I literally had three weeks, no exaggeration, to like pull it together, find everything I needed. And I didn't know the first thing about launching a podcast. And I think Sharia Jackson said it in her episode. It's one thing to know people, but it's another thing for those people to actually answer the phone when you call or actually (laughs) stop what they're doing to support you because they believe in your vision so much. And this is several years in the making now. So it's not like I saw you on something and was like, hey, can you uh, clear several hours to help me? (laughs) wrote my crazy in <laughs> right? since I've already committed. No, but this was like a relationship that we've been building for years, but it's so funny. I met you in St. Louis first. Yes, you did. In my hometown. In your hometown at uh, FinCon, which is like a financial bloggers conference. And you're not even into finances. So I'm still not quite sure why you were at FinCon. <laughs> People still are not quite sure why I'm at, why I'm at FinCon to this day. So I'll tell you, it was because in money nerd, financial nerd, financial person fashion, I was being cheap. That was why I was at FinCon. So I heard that Pat Flynn, I just started listening to Smart Passive Income Podcast. Mm -hmm. And I heard that he was going to be there. And because I was listening to him, I found out about Jamie Tardy and Derek Halperin. And Gene Chatsky was going to be there. And I'm like, oh, wow, all these people are going to be in St. Louis? And I was part of this social media club that was, you know, educating business owners about social media. And I'm like, why aren't we at this event? Why aren't we covering this event? And I was talking to my board members and they're like, ah, we don't know anything about it. I'm like, you guys are crazy. This is a huge event to come to St. Louis. That's why the blogging community is so weak here. 
because we're not supporting things that are coming to the town. So I reached out to PT, Philip Thomas, the guy that the founder of Bencon, right? And I'm like, hey, do you have a media partner? And he's like, yeah, we do. I'm like, what about one specifically for St. Louis? Because you guys are coming to St. Louis. I'd love to come in, take photographs, bring my assistant, Brandy. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Brandy Butler. (laughs) Right, because she was the one that told me about Fincon to begin with. And take pictures, write a couple blog posts, and uh, I'll throw you guys a happy hour. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. So it was to get a free ticket. That's the reason I was there. (laughs) But look at that. That is so critical to look at you still were willing to provide value. You didn't just say, I want a free ticket or let me in or like, can I get the hookup? And we talk about that too with creating relationships that matter. You have to be willing to give, 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 and then make an ask. And a lot of people just want to ask the first time they meet you, they slide in the DMs with an ask and you're like, yeah, I don't even know you, right? But you you guys didn't know each other, but you were, first of all, you educated yourself on what was going on and you thought through how can I create value for this person? Right. Yeah. And I saw, I mean, I met you there. We ended up having breakfast, I think because yep. we were the only black people, but <laughs> yep. we, we were the only black folks and I showed up and I'm like, oh, well, you know, I guess it's, it's take a stranger to breakfast day. <laughs> He's like, I, I think you guys were like, I don't know. I feel, you know, that moment yeah. and some of y'all will identify with this where there's not really any other people in the space that look like you. And while I'm comfortable around everyone, there's always that moment when you lock eyes with, you know, another person and you're like, Hey friend, yep. never seen him in your life. <laughs> I was like, cousin, what is up? right, cousin? Hey. And so we end up going to breakfast uh, and that was it. And we've been buddies ever since. Right, um, right. I'm actually, the unofficial co-host of your podcast. You are the unofficial co-host of my podcast. You, you're the only person to have been on three times. <laughs> so yeah, you're the unofficial. But in each interview was different and great. Every last one. We always have so much to talk about. So that is why when it was time for me to launch my podcast, I was like, I have to go to the guy that I know who's helped other people launch their podcast. But I really want to get into the reason you even got into the podcasting space was why. Because I I read in your book, Master Your Message, that you were um, always a book nerd. I think you said something like the bullies didn't hang out in the library. So They did not. (laughs) (laughs) So you were a book nerd. And then that turned into podcasting. Well, you know, the, the, the funny thing about it is the, the, the book thing, I've always been just into books and learning, but the way that the podcast actually started, I was listening to a podcast, uh, actually it was Michael Stelzer's podcast, uh, social media examiner. And they were talking about podcasting and he's like, yeah, you know, I think it was 2013. He's like, 2013 is the year of the podcast. You really need to, if you don't have one, start a podcast. And I think one of the things he was talking about, I was struggling with my side hustle because being a computer guy for a long time and then getting into marketing and stuff like that, you know, I was always reading stuff, always collecting information, but being able to get people that you're trying to work with to actually take the advice that you're giving them and then pay you a decent amount for it is, is hard. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize how hard it was But when you say, you know, if you're struggling with your clients and you have a podcast, now you have your own platform. 
So I read Michael Hyatt's platform and I'm like, oh, okay, I can just build my own platform with a podcast. Seems relatively easy. And then I researched it for about eight months. Mo- way too much analysis <laughs> stuff going on. I was looking at microphones. I bought a mixer board, a $249 microphone. And I'm just, oh yeah, I'm going to do all this stuff. And ended up just using a regular Audio-Technica 2100 at the time in my MacBook and recording my interviews. Everything went wrong the day I was supposed to launch. I was going to launch it on my birthday, September 30th. I ended up officially recording it kind of October 1st, but I, I, I hit publish that night. So it, it officially launched on my birthday. But um, that was why I got into it was to influence my potential clients and clients that I currently had because I kept hearing stories about, well, from them about people that they were listening to. Or, you know, they, hey, Gary Vaynerchuk was, was just talking about this, about social media. And this person was talking about this, about social media. And they said this. And, they, and I'm like, okay, obviously, I need to interview these people. And something I understood about being interviewed, when you're able to tell someone that you have a show, there's still some mystique to it. There's still an appeal that the DJ kind of thing, being interviewed, you're, it makes the person feel important and they're going to want to do it. And mm. then the people that are listening, they get to listen in on a conversation with an expert that they already respect. So you borrow some of that influence by being just associated with that person, especially if you can go back and forth. Yeah. Well, I'm always kind of weirded out by people who can't go back and forth. <laughs> I mean, right? I, I get that it doesn't come to everyone naturally, but I guess because, you know, I grew up in, working in radio back in the day. And it was always really weird. I worked on the Steve Harvey Morning Show when it was just in LA during my sophomore to senior year in college. And the worst interviews were were the ones where Steve would ask a question and the person would just literally answer the question and say nothing else. (laughs) And then he'd have to like pull more out of them. And live radio with that was awful. At least with pre-recorded podcasts, you can edit. Mm-hmm. And try to make people sound better, but I've been really intentional about only bringing on people where I could have a genuine conversation. Yeah, I've got some feedback about that one. <laughs> that was a, that was a struggle in the later episodes of the of the podcast. What was a struggle? Having conversations. So, one of the things that uh, I'll talk about because I haven't officially officially announced this, so I'll break an exclusive on on your show because uh, <laughs> that's what we do, right? Yes, I did it <laughs> on your show. <laughs> <laughs> so the social strategy podcast, I'm actually bagging away from it, and the reason why is because I think once you start podcasting and you're doing your interviews, the podcast was never about really social media strategy. I thought that it was when I first started, but as I became more curious. And as I started to learn more about people, I got more interested in their story than I did in what they were doing as far as tactics. You can only talk to so many Facebook experts to hear about Facebook or Twitter or anything else that they're doing, but their stories and how they built their businesses, um, how it affected their personal lives, the things that people actually talked about, man, I really love listening to your podcast because I didn't know this about this person or, you know, just, talking to them, having a conversation. I'm like, okay, well, this is really what I like to do. And I tried to change it up a little bit. And I just got to the point where I interviewed a guy who was a sales guy and it just was not a good interview. Mm. He was constantly just trying to push his product. And I'm like, 
we're trying to get to know you, not your product. People will get your product if they get to know you. Right. And it it went from that to a couple companies that one of their CEOs interviewed and they just wanted to talk about their companies. And I'm like, this is not fulfilling at all. And this isn't, this isn't what my audience is going to want. I think maybe it's time to move away from this show. So I'm starting a new show. Okay. Um, Break it down. The new show (laughs) show is called the Space Between Podcast. And the reason it's called the Space Between is because I think there's a space between where you are and where you want to be, no matter where you are in life. Whether you're successful or what your definition of success is or whether you feel like you've reached a point, there's always another point that you want to get to. Mm-hmm. And I think the conversation that happens in between that journey is really, really interesting. So I want to start talking about that. Oh, I love it. You know, I love that. I think that that's what redefining wealth was for me. It yeah. was the space between because people would keep asking me all these questions, not about budgets or credit, but about how I live my life. And like, how did you get off your brother's couch? And now I see you on TV sitting on the couch being the expert. And when you're always just being the expert and you're not sharing the daily rituals, habits, practices, your, you know, your thought process behind things, are you really helping? Because with most things, it's one thing to have the skill set, but if you don't teach people how to have the mindset behind executing the skill set, it's not going to be a lasting thing for them. And I realized with finance, I could teach people how to budget all day, but if I didn't really help them change their behavior, they'd never stick to the budget. And -hmm. the best way I know how to do that is to lead by example and then bring in the examples of other people, which is why we are partly solo episodes and then the insights of the guests and stuff. And so I love that. You're so right. There's always a space between where you are and where you want to go. Never yeah. doesn't matter. <laughs> you yeah, accomplish matter. one thing and you set another goal and you're like back you, in the space. Right. Cause there's always the next, there's always a next and it's, it's in every aspect of life. Yeah. So, you know, just talking about business is fine, but I'm a father, I'm a husband, I have friends, there's relationships, there's mm-hmm. everything that has to do with, I think being a complete person you can talk about. And I wanted the freedom to be able to talk about, Hey, this is, this is one of the things as a father that's important to me, or this is one of the things as a husband that's important to me. And then bringing on people that can speak to those things and reach more people with a message that's actually meaningful, that ties more into the reasons behind the book and how I wrote the book. And then maybe, you know, I'm starting on the, the next thing. Right. Well, I love that because in the book, you say that in order to master our message, we have to break the mold. We tend to base what we do, who we are, and ultimately what our message is on the expectations around us. And because you've been so known for all this social media strategy, it can be very intimidating like it was for me to go beyond money. I'm known for money. (laughs) Like I'm America's money maven. And now I want to talk about meditation and I want to talk about your fitness practices and all this other stuff. And so it was uncomfortable kind of breaking the mold, even if it's not the mold that other people have created, but the mold that we've put ourselves in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's scary to step outside of that comfort zone, but I think, I think you have to in order to be able to complete yourself as a person or get closer to what you 
you really want to be at least in that season and at that time and, you know, on that part of the timeline that you're on, it can change. It should change. And if you're not, then, you know, you're, you're probably stagnating. Mm-hmm. It's just time, time to break this mold and do something else. And do the next. Well, I know it's going to be awesome. I think whenever you're ready to embrace the fact that your purpose evolves and just own it and give yourself permission to walk in it, it's always something beautiful on the other side. You said in the book that you want people to be who they are and understand what they stand for and express it unapologetically. Right? And so that means that every time when we feel... When we just are not feeling it anymore, we have to be okay with being who we are because we've matured. We've been exposed to new things. We've built new relationships. You know, our mindset has shifted in different ways. And so we're not who we, you know, I'm not who I was in 2008 when I started with Real Money Answers. I really embody everything about redefining wealth because of everything that I've been through over the last 10 years. And so to try to force staying in that, I could never have the impact that I have today. Now you have to grow. Um, something that I, I heard, and I'm, I'm going to butcher it, but it was a Jim Rohn quote, some random YouTube video that came up that was just playing. And actually I, I had a, a gig that I did. I was talking to a, uh, a organization about their, their growth culture. They were a startup and their CEO brought me in to kind of communicate the message that they wanted to convey in a way mm-hmm. that was sort of disarming because it was, it was very uncomfortable to have a conversation that the company culture is evolving and basically you either have to get on it or you have to go. So we did it in a podcast site type um, scenario where I interviewed basically him in front of his entire company. Wow. And we just kind of went back and forth. That was, that was crazy. It was my idea. And they were like, we love it. And so we were doing it and I'm like, you know, before we start, I think I want you guys to kind of get an understanding of the potential that you have. And I think this applies to just anybody in life. Jim Rohn was talking about a tree and he's like, you know, a tree grows as tall as it can and everything except for people, they grow as much as they can. But with people, we have, we have the ability outside of our physical form to limit our growth. So when you start trying to grow and you start trying to get better, you should get as good as you can. You should grow as much as you can and you should do as much as you can. So limiting myself to one podcast or just talking about this thing or that thing, it's not growth. So that was one of the reasons that I pushed for. I'm like, you know, this it's just time to, to grow some more. That's all it is. Yeah, I really love in mastering your message. You talked about mastering the message and who you are is not about learning how to deliver a talk. Some people are like, they kind of equate it to speaking on a stage, like Mm -hmm. developing the perfect speech or being able to deliver a toast and be the, you know, get a standing ovation at the wedding. Or, you know, people always think of it as this one singular activity. Like if I could just do this. And I love in the book that you say it's about mastering who you want to be in life. And then understanding how amazing that experience is when you truly embrace it. And I really love that. And that's a part of the reason that I titled this episode, Answer the Call, 
-hmm. because I think that so many of us have a call and have a yearning and want to do something, but because we've put ourselves in the mold or because it doesn't maybe look like what we've seen before, or it doesn't look like something that may be acceptable to our family, our friends, our peers, our bosses, whoever, we limit ourselves from growing. Like we're not growing to all that we can be because we're just kind of safely over here. And it's like, yeah, I want to get a little better for that one thing as opposed to, no, I want to master who I want to be in my life. Right. Yeah. I think people make growth transactional. I do this thing and I get this thing. Mm. It's like now you, you, you do these things to get better at what it is that you're doing or, to get to a certain place that you feel like you want to be wherever that is. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be a particular destination. It's a constant journey of discovering who you are. And, you know, I, when I, when I talk to this about people, a lot of times they're like, well, it's easy to just say, well, just do it, but it's not that easy. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's not that easy. And it's not a just, Oh, well you can just do it. But actually it is, you have to start. And I think that's what holds so many people back is they're like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. But they don't start. And making mistakes and being a a hot mess sometimes (laughs) is what you need to do. Because the funny part about it is, is that your messy is better than most because they haven't even started. Ooh, say that again. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Your messy is better than most because most people haven't even started. If that's not a word, I remember someone pointing out with one of my books that there was a typo. Mm-hmm. And I said, listen, a book, a done book with a typo is better than no book at all. There like there's so many people who have been working on books for five, seven, 10 years. I don't feel bad that I wrote a book in 10 months and it has two typos. I'll take it. Because at the end of the day, all the other things that are spell-checked well (laughs) and grammatically correct are actually having an impact, not just on me and my wealth-building capacity and my finances, but they are blessing other people. And sometimes a part of us playing small, you know, we think it's about us, but the truth is when we don't answer the call and master our message, our unique divinely, hopefully inspired message, then we're really robbing and cheating other people out of the gift of getting to see what we have to offer. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, what's funny about this, I was writing this book (laughs) after I, after it was done and I got the first printed copy and I started reading through it. I'm like, this is actually not bad. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, wait a minute. Did I, did I write this? Uh-huh. And I'm like, nah, I didn't write this. I had help with this. Because <laughs> some of the stuff that I wrote, I'm like, man, I put that like that? Where did that come from? Yeah, it's really good. And I love the stories that you tell in the book. And one of them really stood out to me. There's a part in the book where you have a picture of a letter that someone sent you from a youth retreat. Can yeah. you tell me about that youth retreat experience? Because up until then, you had been kind of the shy guy, the book nerd, and people never really heard you speak, even though you're a fantastic speaker. I know you as a fantastic speaker, but people had never heard you really speak before that point. Can you tell me a little bit about that retreat experience and what it taught you about your voice? 
Oh my. Yeah. So you went straight for it, huh? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I read everything. So don't I know you do. So I'm Catholic, grew up Catholic and, uh, I helped out at the, well, not helped out. I earned my tuition by working at the church on Saturday afternoons, like me and 15 white kids and Alex. And I wasn't really that good of friends with Alex. And I'm like, oh man, I guess we're going to be good friends now because it's just me and you. (laughs) And uh, it was probably more like 20 kids all together and me and him. And I'm in this and I'm like, I grew up in the inner city. I've been around white people all the time. That was no big deal. But I'd never really been away from home by myself and definitely had never been away from home by myself with an entire group of just white folks that I didn't think I had anything in common with. So the shy, used to getting picked on at school kind of kid, I'm like, I was terrified. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to spoke if I'm spoken to and say what I need to and get through this weekend. I was literally just trying to survive the weekend without crying and having my mother pick me up. (laughs) That was, that was about where I was at the end of the the weekend. We had this thing where we had to put on these skits because, you know, at these retreats and youth camps, they always have you do some kind of skit or something like that. Go over what it is that you learn. And I got volunteered to be the talk show host. And I was like, oh, what? The guy who didn't talk the whole weekend? Right. And that was why, because I didn't really say anything. So. Right. I don't know if it was meant as kind of a mean joke to kind of push me up front to do it, to see what would happen, because they, they didn't seem like mean people. But you never know. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'll do it since you just told everybody I was doing it. We sort of discuss things. I'm like, I'm just going to do a talk show kind of thing. And I'll, I'll ask you guys some questions. They're like, yeah, okay. And I'm literally thinking about what to do as I'm walking up. And I had just saw Risky Business that I shouldn't have seen. Because uh, it, <laughs> it was rated R. A friend of mine had it on a bootleg VHS <laughs> that his <laughs> older brother got. And there was, a, there was a scene in there where one of the characters told this guy, Joel, he's like, you know, what the F? And I'm like... He's like, sometimes you got to go for it. And I'm like, okay, I guess this is one of those moments that you just got to go for it. And I walked up there, took a deep breath, turned around and went into this character. Uh, this like, just, I was just loud and all over the place and asking questions and bringing people up and kind of interviewing them Bob Barker style. And everybody just looked, they were like, who is this kid and where did he come from? And that was what the letter was. The guy was like, everybody was shocked when you got up and just, you know, was all over the place. And, you know, who knew that this kid was there? And he's like, thanks for, you know, basically making the weekend really a really interesting weekend. Yeah, it was a nice letter. And I I was surprised that I still had the letter. I just happened to be going through some stuff. I'm like, I got to include this in there because as I was going through when I first kind of fell in love with talking in front of people, it was at that moment. Yeah. And that moment, I mean, it was literally, it was like breathing for the first time. Mm, Yeah. And so, I mean, literally I tell people, I'm like, if you want to know what it felt like, I want you to hold your breath for as long as you possibly can and then hold it some more. 
until you feel like you're about to pass out. And that first breath, that was what it felt like when I turned around. Mm. And I'm like, whoa, okay, I guess this was inspired. And then I didn't do anything else for, you know, 15 years. Well, you know, (laughs) same here, same here. It made me think of speaking at my debutante in 1994. (laughs) I only spoke because we had to have a talent and everyone else was a gymnast and a singer and a piano player and all these things that I felt like equated to actually having talent. And I remember being very upset because I'm like, my parents have done nothing for me. I have no talent. (laughs) I was really upset because I was in comparison mode with other people. And the only thing that I knew was that I read a lot because I lived in the hood, like you talked about in your book. I grew up in the hood and going outside and playing outside was really not an option. So my whole world was staying inside being quiet and reading books because my grandma didn't like noise. That's a whole nother story. And so I knew I liked to read and I wasn't sure that I could speak, but I knew I could memorize things well. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of did the church plays and stuff, which was short and quick, but I was like, okay, I know I can memorize stuff well. And I memorized a poem and wrote a speech as like an extension to the poem and got a standing ovation and yeah. I remember that feeling that you're talking about. Like when you take that first breath again and it is so like exhilarating, I guess. And yeah. you're like, whoo, I'm still here. I've made it. That was awesome. I'll never forget. And I still never would consider, and we talked about this on your podcast. I never considered myself a speaker though. So then when yeah. I got older and years went by, even though I would speak and like kind of train, I call myself a trainer because mm-hmm. that was very topic specific and I'm going to teach you about home buying, (laughs) but I'm not going to be a speaker because I don't have all the, I call it the hooping and hollering. Although when I speak in person, I'm pretty engaging if I do say so myself and humorous, but it's not, I thought that speaking in front of people, because I grew up in church had to be, uh, (laughs) you have to have that little extra on the end of your words. And I'm like, Ooh, that's a lot. I don't do that. (laughs) You know, I didn't know what to call it, but, but, what I read in your book when you talked about that moment is how I felt at that debutante. And then you said, what I discovered from that experience is that every turn in your life and every time you meet a new group of people, you have an opportunity to be exactly who you want to be and how you want to be. Absolutely. And I thought that was so good because I, I know for me, I wasn't, little Tracy from the hood in that moment. I was this beautiful young lady in this white gown with all this makeup on that I should not have on at 13, but it was awesome. (laughs) And all eyes are on me. And I have a chance to make me speaking up here and reciting this poem and giving them my own kind of interpretation of this and what it means to me as a young lady. Like I have a chance to make that as exciting as the piano player and the baton twirler. Like right. I get to stand yeah. on here and act as if it's just as great. And they received that energy in that moment. And I was fascinated by that, but still didn't think it was something that I would do with my life. I just, in that moment was like, take that baton twirler. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I realize it's like, you're only as limited as you allow yourself to be. And people only know what you show them. So Show them who you want to be. 
people uh, I give, know what she's I, Yeah, I, I gave that advice to my daughters there, and you know, growing up, and um, my oldest, I would tell her all the time. She she struggled in school. She mm-hmm. had a lot of issues in school until college, and she t- actually turned it around in college. But she had a lot of issues, and I'm like, every day is a new opportunity for you to do better. She do bad on a test, or is she getting some kind. Of, and she wasn't like a you know troublemaker kid, but you know, do bad on a test, bad grades. I'm like, okay, that was that was the grade yesterday. Tomorrow's a new day. So let's start new. And remember, Tina, you you, you are who you want to be, not mm-hmm. not what people tell you you are. And so it, it was just constantly every day telling her that hey, anything's possible. Because my mother would tell me that all the time. She's like, you can do anything you want to do mm-hmm. if you believe you can do it. This is why one of my favorite affirmations is I am who I say I am. And I yeah. still have to use that before I get on a stage or, or go on a show or something. Like I still just have to remind myself that I am who I say I am. And I will say that as much as you, that that's just a great life lesson that you've taught your daughters because it doesn't matter who you are, what you've accomplished. Every time, you know, it's time to go on to the next, you still have that. I mean, I guess I'll call it fear. You know, I still get those butterflies in my stomach and my knees still knock and my teeth still chatter. Um, And launching the podcast was no different. Like as excited as I was, I was very nervous about, you know, this whole concept and could people receive this from me and would it grow into anything even greater than what my initial vision was, which I think it has and it is doing. But I have to go back to, in so many words, I feel like that was kind of the wisdom behind how you helped me create the show. Because I don't know if you remember, I wanted to intro the show with some random man's voice. (laughs) 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 Like, because I had heard other shows and it was like, oh, you have to have someone else introduce you. Like, you don't just start talking. And, you know, I was like debating about whether I could do solo episodes or if it all had to be interviews. And I had all these things. And going through the process that you take your clients through when you help them launch podcasts, like going through that process and then talking to you on the phone all the time and Skype and working on it, it really reminded me to just own my voice. That yes, I was answering the call, but it wasn't enough to just answer the call. To go beyond that, answer the call and be authentic. And that's why I think we lose it sometimes. It's like we want to answer the call, but then we want to shape it to look and feel like what we've seen before. And that wasn't the call. (laughs) You know, like that that wasn't it. And so I really, I do thank you, Vern, from the bottom of my heart because even now when I do solo episodes, I have other podcasters asking me like, how do you carry a solo episode? And I'm like, I have no, I, I don't even know what that means. I just, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, I'm just being myself. I'm just doing me. And I have to say this, I think it's so serendipitous that this is the week that we're at podcast movement. And so <laughs> when I look at, and I have to tell this backstory because when I reached out to Vern, about launching the podcast and agreeing to, you know, work in partnership with iHeartRadio and all this stuff. When you got back to me, you were like, yes, I'll help you. But by the way, I'll be in California next week. Do you know it was that fast? It was like, I talked to you on like a Wednesday and that next week you were coming for the podcast movement. Yeah, that was awesome. 
Yeah, I cleared two days and came to podcast movement and you helped me have a few conversations with different people. And I set some intentions and met every person that I really needed to meet at that point to help me launch the podcast. And several of them I'm still working with now, which is just amazing, 50 episodes in. And this year I'm back as a speaker. Right. <laughs> One year later. <laughs> Shout out to Jared Easley from Podcast Movement. I'm back as a speaker. One year later. Is that crazy? I love it. I love it. Now, podcasting can do so much for you. And um, it's one of those things where if I'm not interviewing and talking to people, if something just doesn't feel right, it is like a calling. It's just, mm-hmm. it's something that, it's just something I feel like I have to do. Like if I didn't, I wouldn't know what to do, quite honestly, if I wasn't recording and talking to people on a fairly regular basis about their stories. Because I just feel like it's it's just what I need to be doing. Yeah, I get that. I feel that too. Now I really, really understand it because in the book, you talked about, it's like when someone asked a priest or a nun, like, why? Why did you choose this? And they say, I was called. And in the same way, That's how I feel about the work that I do. I don't think that anyone is a little girl in Lamert Park going, you know what I want to be when I grow up? A podcasting personal finance expert. (laughs) That sounds like, first of all, what was a podcast? But but I really can't see myself doing anything else in this season. Like this is it. I know that purpose evolves and I'm okay with wherever God takes me. I feel like I am committed to the vision. I'm not attached to how I get there, but I'm very grateful that along the way, as I continue to evolve, I just keep creating relationships with amazing people like you that have really blessed me so that when I do finally answer the call, because you know, sometimes we run a little bit, Mm -hmm. we hear it and then we're like, oh no, you're not talking to me. And then you hear it and you're like, oh, you didn't mean today though. You mean (laughs) a year from now, you know, but that I've had people like you to help me launch successfully in different areas of my business and my life. And so I know we have a lot of people in the audience who are trying to find their voice and who are interested in launching their own podcast, who also have heard the call. They've been dodging it, running for a while, mostly because they don't know what to do. And I know you have this course, Three Secrets Mm -hmm. to Launching a Successful Podcast. So can you tell us like one of the secrets that would really help someone who is trying to find their voice. They they answer the call. They're ready to answer the call. They're ready to find their voice and they want to master whatever this message is they feel like is on their heart. Like what is one secret to making that happen with a podcast? One of the things that is essentially important is to not be committed to the, to the, the, the method <laughs> that you use mm-hmm. to get there. You just actually said it when you were talking about it. You said you were committed to the committed to the journey, but not necessarily the method. Right. Yeah. I'm not, I'm never attached to how I get there. I want it, but I'm also very clear that I shouldn't be agonizing over any one thing. It's like choose a mm-hmm. method and go. And then you can course correct as you go along. Exactly. And I think that's well, that's one of the things that I talk about is you have to you have to start. Uh, one of the things that holds most podcasters back and most people back from just starting any any type of show, any type of endeavor, whether it's video, whether it's audio, well, I don't know if I have the right microphone. I'm like, well, then record on your phone. <laughs> but, but press record. 
I do some work with a podcast hosting company and people are like, well, you know, I don't know about hosting. Hosting is expensive. And I'm like, well, then start on Anchor. Anchor's free. And I mean, there's many times where I've pulled out my phone and started talking to somebody and showed them like, okay, we just recorded a podcast episode. It's not great. The audio is not great, but you need to commit to starting and actually recording. Yeah. And not getting stuck in the, I don't know what to talk about. That's another thing that I'm actually adding to the course. Cause this is one of those courses where I'm going to constantly add stuff to, mm-hmm. um, because I always get into these conversations. Um, <laughs> the person asks you, you know, how do you carry a solo episode? Have enough value. And if wow. you don't have, if you don't have enough value to have multiple hour long conversations about what it is that you do, look at what you're doing and if you really love it. Oh, there you go. Cause I have no shortage of content. I really don't. We have a content library my team and I, where we have brainstormed the things that matter to me and looking at my life, the habits, the rituals, the practice, all this stuff, right? Solo episode alone, I have over 200 ideas banked. I haven't even really needed to lean on it because I yeah. always have something to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the other side of that is do the work because that's what you just pointed out. You, you did the work. You sat down and you brainstormed and you came up with ideas and everything that you look at and everything that you observe. And I talk to people when I'm, when I'm talking to people about coming up with podcast ideas and how to develop the content for their show and building a story arc around the conversations you're going to have. Um, you should watch everything. Everything should be a potential subject for you or observing how conversations are happening, how people are doing what they're doing, how they're interacting, what commercials you see on TV just listening to conversations as they mm-hmm. happen so that you can add material for your show. I'm like, Oh wow. Okay. That's interesting. Maybe I should explore that more. So uh, another part of it is just, just doing the work, starting recording and then actually doing the work of it. That's one of the things that people just don't do. They're like, Oh, well, it's easy. I just sit down and I talk on a microphone. I interview a person mm-hmm. and ask them a few questions and, and then it's over with. I'm like, no, but then that's that's what separates the decent podcast, I think, from the great podcast, because you can be a phenomenal talent, but if you're unprepared, mm-hmm. it comes through in the interview. And yes. I think one of the reasons that Redefining Well has done well and is continuing to do well is because my audience knows that if I bring someone on who has a book, I've read the book. Mm-hmm. So I'm not asking them questions from some press release or that they're a PR person. You know, here's the three questions that all 97 interviews they have <laughs> over the next couple months will ask. I'm asking, that's why people are always like, oh, so you went there. I'm like, oh yeah, because I read the book, you know, but that's the investment that I, one, I, that I genuinely love it. I love it. I love that it's forcing me to read several books a month because I used to and then got away from that. And now I can put it on, I need this for the podcast so my family can leave me alone <laughs> so I can read. <laughs> They're like, okay, this is podcast prep. You know, they see it differently as when I used to just sit around and read. But going back to that, you know what's so funny? I think about it. Isn't that interesting that our lives prepared us for this though? Right. We were both kids that were the nerds who sat and read all the time. And yep. so- now, professionally and in interviewing people, 
we have the opportunity to actually put that to use. That just popped in my head that my grandma knew what she was talking about when she told me to be quiet and go read. <laughs> uh-huh. she oh, it yeah. It's amazing. And so I think for me, I don't like to listen personally to interviews where you can tell that, um, and I, and this has happened to me being interviewed as much as I've been, where people just, they don't even know who I am. It just was a good name to have on their podcast or to have on their show or whatever. Mm-hmm. They don't know who I am. They haven't put 10 minutes into researching what I do or who I really am, or they wouldn't ask me such dumb questions. <laughs> I'm like, right, right. that doesn't even align with what is in my bio. What are you talking about? And so it shows, it shows. So the first thing is to get started, but do your work. Yeah, do the work. And but then, don't agonize know. over it. Like No, of course not. No, don't, don't agonize over it. Just, just get the work done, start and, and press record. You have to press record, whether it's a solo show, whether you're interviewing um, people. And the other thing that I tell people, I mean, there's more, lots of secrets, but the other most important thing is, like you were just saying, research and know your guest. You owe them as much as you can possibly give. And the reason that you do is because you never know what's going to happen after that interview. If I can go a little deeper than just talking to people. In the book, something that I wrote, it came to me as I was in tears in Starbucks trying to write this book. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this book is going to be here when I'm not. Ooh. And books and words that you write, things that you say, those are the things that you leave behind. Yeah. And would you, if you served your guest, if you really thought about how important the moments that they were spending with you were, those could be their last moments. You could be the person that shares the moments with that person, talking about whatever it is you're talking about. And that could be what's left for their family, the last thing that they had to say, because you don't know what's going to happen to them when they leave. So honor that person by investing in researching your guests, knowing who they are, what's important to them, so that you can serve your audience and actually make it meaningful, and you'll have a successful podcast. Oh, that's good, Vern. That's good. That's what it means. I mean, that's, that's podcasting. Yeah. yeah, that's good. And I definitely feel that level of just a responsibility to respect the yeah. guests, but also respect the intelligence of my audience. And, right. and because, again, I've been interviewed so much and I've had those experiences, I, I really do my best to not ever let my guests leave feeling like that was whack. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I really do my best. And I've heard feedback over and over again. People are like, I can't believe that was an interview. I just felt like we were on the phone chatting. You're my girlfriend, right. type of thing, you know, but you've added another layer to that for me. And so thank you for that. Cause I will never forget that this could be, and I spoke on the same stage. I don't know if you knew this already with Maya Angelou. Yeah, uh, I did. Oh, I knew. Short yeah, like a, a few months before she passed and, and Reagan, my daughter, had an opportunity to go up on the stage and hug her. And she did a poem at the end of that conference in Atlanta off the top of her head, did this poem and put my daughter's name in it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Reagan is the reason, you know, with that Maya Angelou voice, like incredible. Yeah. And who knew that would be the last time she spoke on the stage? 
And right. we, we have that forever. My daughter has that memory forever. And the six or 700 women that were in that space, we all got to share that forever. And so like, you just don't know, you don't know. And so that's a totally different layer of responsibility to this. And so I thank you for that. I'm going to ask you a few quick questions and I'm gonna let you go. Okay. Our redefining wealth, rapid wisdom questions. And the Ooh. first one is, how do you define success? Happiness. Are you happy? Are you happy with who you are? Are you happy with how you feel about what it is that you're doing? If you're not, stop. Mm. That's just the bottom line to it. I, I think success is happiness. It's not, it's not money. It's not the job that you have. Are you happy? Are you happy and are you making the people around you happy? And if you're not, you should stop and start making yourself happy. I totally agree. How do you define wealth in three words or less? Now, I have listened to this question and tried to come up with it and (laughs) defining wealth in in three words or less. The only thing I can think of is bring the joy. Yes. I think that's it. That's how I think that's how you define wealth in, in three words or less. Bring the joy. You know me, so you know I have my hands up in the air when you <laughs> <laughs> you know that visual. I'm always air high fiving. Bring the joy. I'm with it. Okay. What's one book that has redefined how you see wealth? So many books are in my head right now. You know what's funny though is um your book. Real Money Answers for Men. You have sent an email out and actually you asked me to do some contributions to the book. Yeah. And I'm, re- I'm grabbing it right now from my shelf because it's one of those books that uh, I, you know, I've, I look at it all the time because it's just right there on the book. And I was just looking at some of the, just some of the stuff that you have in here and some of the affirmations that you have. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that people, people miss, especially when they're trying to do stuff, that I am grateful for the money I possess today was one of the things that you put in the book. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we just had a, a plumbing issue where they had to break out the laundry stack in our basement, $2,800. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ugh. $2,800. Oh my God. And I'm, I'm getting frustrated blood pressure. And I'm like, wait a minute. I have it. It's <laughs> not <laughs> like I don't have it. I have it. This isn't a problem. We're going on vacation on, on the 7th. We're going to Mexico. Mm-hmm. And this $2,800 is not making a difference at all. To that, it's not impacting our rent, our food. I have it. I need to be grateful for the fact that I have it. So there's like little lessons like that throughout this book that I was like, ah, okay, be grateful, <laughs> be, be grateful that you got it. And, you know, like when I listen to some of your episodes and some of the stuff that, you know, I pick up from your episodes, like that Tim story episode. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. I was in Chicago at the time, SHRM Society of Human Resource Management Conference doing some podcasting stuff. Six fifteen. I was at the the Chicago Bean mm-hmm. listening to uh listening to the episode. And <laughs> something that Tim said was like, just because you have drama in your life does not mean you have to be dramatic. And I'm like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> oh wow. And talking about men seeking refuge. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, this is 
I think I've listened to the episode probably four times. Really? That it was so it was so good. It was so good. But yeah, so book wise, real money answers for men. There are so many gems in this book as a man to help you think about how you deal with money, how you look at wealth, and how you manage it with your family. Mm-hmm. And uh, not for your family, but with your family is really the the thing that I got from this book. Because so many men, they take over the finances. Mm-hmm. And just from that that position of taking over, then you break the partnership at that point. And you that's really just... read. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that always makes me so happy. I'm not just collecting dust up there. Like, no, 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 yes, no. that is awesome. Okay, and then this is the last one. Fill in the blank. My name is, and for me, the truth about wealth is. Uh, my name is Vernon Ross. And for me, the truth about wealth is that you build it with the people that you love and for the people that you love. Mm, I love it. Build it with the people you love and for the people you love. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Thank you so much. I am so grateful that you answered the call because you continue to inspire me to answer the call and to really just stand in the the truth of who I am without being afraid of what other people will think or how they'll react or, you know, whatever. Just being authentically myself and unapologetically myself. You give other people permission to do that. So I'm really grateful to be in your circle. So thank you so much for being here. Patrice, thank you. And it it means so much to me that anything that I've done has helped you and that you actually find me a, a person that's important in your life. And I've been able to do that. All right. All right. I hope you enjoyed Vernon. Such a cool guy, man. Such a great guy so grateful to know him. It's amazing that your path will cross with people's and you never know. You never know when or where or how you're going to need them or they're going to need you, which is why we all need to just get along and be good to people. But I do want to make sure I say this again. If you've thought about podcasting, I highly suggest, highly suggest Vernon's Three Secrets to Launching a Successful Podcast. You can find it at vernonross.com backslash podcast secrets. That's vernonross.com backslash podcast secrets. And I will link in the show notes. In celebration of this 50th episode, I also should tell you that we are inching. Like we are so close to going over the 200,000 download mark. Yay! 200,000 downloads. Yes. Yes. Super excited. Um, And so grateful to all of you. If you haven't subscribed already, please do. This is a wonderful community and we're going to just keep giving you great content, great nuggets of wisdom, because I really do think it's important that we all master our message and answer the call. And I love something that Vernon said in his book. It's not about delivering a talk. It's about mastering who you want to be in life. And understanding how amazing it'll be if you embrace that. And the podcast was not my first choice, I must be honest, but it definitely has brought out more of who I want to be in life. It really has. And so I don't say it lightly. I 
appreciate you guys so much for being with me on this journey and helping me embrace more of who I am in the hopes that we could reciprocate and I could do the same for you. Because remember, I'm only here to help you live your life's purpose, find fulfillment, and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later. Bye.